Hey there, it's Shannon Ballard. I want to say special thanks to the people who make this independent podcast possible my Southern Mysteries patrons, including our newest patrons, Rita from White Bluff, Tennessee, Mandy from Centerville, Tennessee, Juliana from St. Paul, Minnesota, and Janine from Lenore City, Tennessee. Also, thanks to Bradley, Allie, Ted, Caress, Nancy, and Jessica, who were all listening and supporting the show from mysterious locations. If you're new to Southern Mysteries, you can join me on Patreon, where you can hear ad-free episodes, and there are options to support at a different level where you can hear the Southern Mysteries archive of more than 60 episodes, also previously released bonus episodes for patrons, plus the patron-exclusive podcast, Audacious, Tales of American Crime. If you're new here and you want to hear more stories, more Southern mysteries and beyond, you can join me on Patreon and you can hear ad-free episodes, the Southern Mysteries archive of more than 60 episodes, plus there are options to hear previously released bonus episodes for patrons through the years since we launched our Patreon and the new monthly patron-exclusive podcast, Audacious, Tales of American Crime. You can learn all about Southern Mysteries Patreon, sign up, and start listening now to all these stories you haven't heard yet at patreon.com slash southernmysteries. Otto Wood was an Appalachian legend. The self-proclaimed one-armed bandit from North Carolina made a name for himself as a bootlegger who loves stealing from the rich. Being sent to jail only heightened Otto's fame in Appalachia because he was so good at prison escapes, he was nicknamed Houdini. Otto Wood was just 36 years old in 1930 when he was killed in a shootout in Salisbury, North Carolina. It's said more than 10,000 people attended the outlaw's funeral and he would later be immortalized in song by the Carolina Buddies and Doc Watson. The ballad, called Otto Wood the Bandit, tells the story of Otto's crimes and his downfall. Welcome to Southern Mysteries, exploring the history and mysteries of the American South. I'm your host, Shannon Ballard. This is the legend of the hillbilly Houdini, Otto Wood. Otto Harrison Wood was born in Wilkes County, North Carolina in the spring of 1893. His childhood is a bit of a mystery because of Otto's own confusing account. In 1926, he published his autobiography, in which he wrote he was born in 1894 and had four brothers. But Otto also told people in his life he was born in 1895 and had three sisters and two brothers. The one thing we know for sure about Otto's family is that the Woods were law-abiding and respected in their community. Otto's father died when Otto was just four years old. According to Woods' autobiography, he felt like he could never fit in with his family after his father passed. He was different than his brothers. And as he wrote, I always wanted to get out and about and did not want to stay at home in the cabin. When he was five years old, he started spending more and more time alone in the woods. He explored trees, streams, and cliffs, and avoided home as much as he could. When he was seven, Otto started school, as his mother told him to. 
but he created a life of freedom for himself in the woods and didn't feel he could stay cooped up inside at school all day. He felt trapped and revealed in his autobiography he was teased by fellow students because he wore tattered clothes. He felt like an outsider at home, and he felt like an outsider at school. The seven-year-old ran. He went to the train depot in North Wilkesboro and began his life of crime. He had no ticket or money to buy one, so he told the conductor he was traveling with his family, and they had become separated. He said his family was on the train, but he left his ticket with his mom. The conductor believed Otto's story and agreed to let him pass and get on the train. The train stopped in Winston-Salem. Otto got off, walked around town, even convinced a local shop owner to give him a meal, and a farmer let him sleep in his wagon for the night. The next day, Otto convinced yet another conductor he had been separated from his family, and he was allowed to board a train from Madison to Roanoke, Virginia. In Roanoke, he switched to a train headed to Hagerstown, Maryland. This time around, the conductor called Otto, checked his story, and realized he was lying about his family being on the train. The conductor handed Otto over to the police. They bought him some new clothes and a train ticket home with an escort from the police department. After Otto's return, his mother spread the word to local railway companies that Otto had a case of wonderlust. She asked them to never let Otto ride a train again. When Otto left home again, he decided to try another route to freedom, freight cars. He kept hitching a ride in freight cars until he made it to southern West Virginia. A railway employee caught him and turned him over to the police in Bluefield. The police chief knew Otto's uncle, who lived in nearby Vulcan, West Virginia. So he sent Otto to stay with him in the hope his uncle could help straighten him out. Otto's uncle ran a saloon in Vulcan, a small town on the border of Pike County, Kentucky. Otto's West Virginia kin were part of the Hatfield family, caught up in that infamous feud with their enemies, the McCoys. Otto's uncle sent a message to his mom, letting her know Otto was safe and that he'd be staying in West Virginia for a while. Otto learned a lot in his uncle's saloon, everything you'd expect a burgeoning outlaw to know gambling, shooting, and how to make and distribute moonshine. In 1905, when Otto was 11, he decided it was time to go home to Wilkesboro. By the following year, 12-year-old Otto was ready for another adventure. He decided he was going to bike his way back to West Virginia, so he stole his neighbor's bike. The county sheriff caught up to Otto and arrested him. Otto spent five months in the old Wilkes jail as he had to wait for court, which only met twice a year. When he finally faced a judge, he was sentenced to work six months on a chain gang in a neighboring county. Due to his age and size, the chain gang foreman refused to let Otto work. Otto was born with a birth defect that caused an issue with his foot, and he was still just 12 years old. The foreman told him he was free to go as long as he went home to his mother and got his act together. Trouble was, Otto really liked the thrill of breaking the law. The following year, he broke into a hardware store and stole several guns. 
He was captured and sentenced to work on a chain gang for six months. But again, the foreman sent him home with another warning to never break the law again. Otto tried to stay with an older brother, but his unwillingness to go to school and his lack of respect for his brother's request to stay out of trouble led to Otto leaving again. He went back to West Virginia to stay with his uncle for a while. When he was 15 years old, Otto decided he wanted to get a job in a coal mine. But by the time he was 17, he wanted to work above ground. Otto went to work for the Norfolk and Western Railroad. He remained employed with the railroad for a couple of years, but lost his job following an accident that ended with the amputation of part of his left arm. He received $7,000 in compensation for his injury and used the money to marry a young woman from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. When another young woman Otto had allegedly courted and promised to marry learned he planned to marry this Point Pleasant woman, she reported Otto for breaking his vow to marry her once he learned she was pregnant with his child. This was considered a criminal offense in the early 20th century. Otto was arrested, tried, and sentenced to two years in the state prison. On May 15, 1913, Otto escaped from a road camp but was recaptured in September. One year later, he escaped again. In late 1915, Otto was driving a stolen car through Salisbury, North Carolina, when he was pursued by law enforcement. That chase ended with Otto being sent back to jail, where he was working on a chain gang when he escaped for the third time. Otto learned skills from his family in West Virginia that he put to work while he was hiding out from the law. He headed to Welch, West Virginia, where he started making and transporting moonshine. Otto Wood's wife, weary of his outlaw ways, divorced him. A wise decision, considering Otto had already met his next wife, a 15-year-old girl from Welch. The couple married, and days later, they were forced to flee to North Carolina due to a stolen car charge. Otto's version of the story was that he paid the first installment on this car that he planned to purchase, but he just forgot to pay the rest of the debt. The owner reported the car stolen, and the law caught up to Otto, who was at his mother's house outside of Wilkesboro. Otto fled and escaped into the woods. Eventually, he made it to Winston-Salem, stole another car, and drove back to Wilkesboro to pick up his wife. Police were still waiting for him at his mother's house, but he managed to sneak into the house, get his wife, and escape again. The couple drove to North Wilkesboro, where Otto stole another car to make the drive to Florida. Weeks later, the couple ran out of money, so they headed north again. They ended up in Kentucky, where Otto was spotted by authorities, arrested, and sent back to Tennessee to serve out his three-year sentence for car theft. Otto would only be in that prison in Tennessee for six months before he pulled off another escape. Two weeks later, he was recaptured in his hometown of Wilkesboro and sent back to Tennessee, where he would escape again in 1917. Otto's second escape from the Tennessee penitentiary was creative. He hid in a dry goods box that was hauled from the prison yard. 
frustrated and annoyed by Otto, guards chased him using bloodhounds to track him. When a guard caught up to Otto near a railroad, Otto attacked him and knocked out the guard. He jumped into the caboose of a freight train, and the brazen Otto Wood convinced the railroad team he was a brakeman. By now, the law knew that eventually Otto would go home, either to Wilkesboro or Welch. This time, when the train pulled into Welch, West Virginia, law enforcement were waiting to recapture Otto. He was sentenced to five years, but he already owed the state six. The only way Otto could avoid 11 years in prison was to escape again. In January 1919, 25-year-old Otto pulled off another prison escape with accomplished James Borders. Borders was serving an 18-year sentence for murder. Their only way out of the prison was to climb over a wall that was patrolled by armed guards. Somehow they managed to use a ladder from the prison yard to make it over the wall, unnoticed. By the time guards noticed they were gone, they had already traveled 15 miles in the freezing cold. Somehow, Otto made it back to North Carolina. He went back to moonshining in Wilkes County for about six months before the law caught him. He was arrested again and placed in the Wilkes County Jail. Otto was now a wanted man in Virginia, West Virginia, and Tennessee, where rewards had been established for his capture. The largest reward was offered by West Virginia, where North Carolina authorities sent Otto Wood. The governor of West Virginia made a surprising move. He pardoned Otto for a second car theft charge. It was a calculated move to get the frustrating outlaw, Otto Wood, out of West Virginia. The state agreed to send Otto back to Tennessee to serve out his prison sentence for his first car theft. Soon after he returned to the Tennessee penitentiary, Otto managed to escape. Instead of heading back to Wilkes County, where he knew he would be recaptured, Otto went to Portsmouth, Ohio, where he made and transported moonshine to make money to send to his girlfriend and their two young children. Otto was a creature of habit. He stole a car to transport his moonshine and within a few weeks was arrested for driving a stolen vehicle. Under the alias Charles Jones, he was sentenced to two years in the Ohio State Penitentiary in November 1921. For the first time in his life, he served out his sentence and was released for good behavior in June 1923. When he was released, all he wanted to do was see his girlfriend and children. His girlfriend had been staying with her parents in West Virginia, but for financial reasons had moved to Winston-Salem to stay with the family of Otto's older brother. Otto visited them and decided to return to West Virginia with his girlfriend and youngest son. Their eldest son stayed with Otto's brother, and Otto promised to return once a month to visit him. In October 1923, just after his monthly visit to see his son in Winston-Salem, Otto stopped at a pawn shop in Greensboro to pawn his watch. He needed money, and he was told he would have 14 days to reclaim the watch. But when he returned two weeks later, he was told by the pawnbroker the watch must have been sold. Otto insisted he had seen this man 
register the loan, and he called him a liar. Otto left but returned three days later and demanded his watch. The pawnbroker ordered Otto to leave the store. When Otto refused, the broker used a walking stick to try to hit Otto, who drew his gun and used it to hit the pawnbroker in the head. But when he hit the man's head, the gun went off, striking him in the shoulder. Otto fled Greensboro and returned to West Virginia. Two weeks later, on November 11th, authorities found him in Bramwell and arrested him. Otto was shocked to hear he was arrested for the murder of A.W. Kaplan, the Greensboro pawnbroker. He was informed the pawnbroker died, but Otto insisted he'd only struck Kaplan in self-defense and never meant for his gun to go off. Unfortunately, Otto had played up his own fame and legend as an outlaw, which made his defense kind of unbelievable. Thousands of people came to the courthouse for his trial, and he was described in the Greensboro newspaper as a killer and desperado. Ultimately, the judge agreed the murder of Kaplan was not premeditated. He recommended to the jury they should find Otto guilty of manslaughter or second-degree murder. The jury went with second-degree, and Otto Wood was sentenced to 30 years in the North Carolina Central Prison at Raleigh. He escaped for two days in May 1924 before he was returned to prison. 18 months later, he escaped again, only to be recaptured in Wilkes County two weeks later. The hillbilly Houdini settled down for the next year in prison, writing his memoir. But when a guard left a door unlocked on November 22, 1926, Otto walked out of prison for seven months before he was recaptured and returned to North Carolina. Otto was in prison for murder, and prison officials, determined to never see him escape again, placed him in solitary confinement. For two years. When news reached Governor Gardner that Otto's health had declined, he ordered the prison to release Otto from solitary confinement. Otto Wood wrote a letter to the governor, thanked him for his help, and promised to never escape again. That was a promise Otto Wood could not keep. On July 10, 1930, Otto pulled off his last escape. He was declared an outlaw with a $275 bounty on his head. Otto was on the run for a little over six months until he was spotted in Salisbury, North Carolina on December 31, 1930. Salisbury Police Chief Rankin got a tip that the outlaw, Otto Wood, was in town, so he rallied his assistant chief of police to help search for the outlaw. Late that afternoon, they spotted two men walking through town. Chief Rankin noticed one of those men appeared to be missing an arm. The chief shouted at Otto and ordered him to surrender, but Otto refused. There was an exchange of gunfire, which left Otto Wood mortally wounded. On January 2, 1931, Otto's brother, Luther, arrived at a Salisbury funeral home to claim Otto's body. He acknowledged the family did not have the money to transport Otto's body back to West Virginia, 
where their mother lived and wished her son to be buried. Salisbury citizens heard of the situation and decided to help the outlaw's family. They raised $65 to send Otto's body home to his mother in Coaldale and help cover the cost of burial. Otto Wood was an outlaw, but despite his life of crime, he was a hero figure to many in Western North Carolina. People associated him with Robin Hood, always taking from the rich and trying to outrun the law. But unlike Robin Hood, Otto kept what he stole instead of giving it to the poor. That little detail didn't matter much to folks in Western North Carolina. Before Otto's body was returned to West Virginia, thousands of people gathered in front of the funeral home to catch their last glimpse of one of North Carolina's most infamous criminals. One of the people who visited was the editor of a North Carolina newspaper. He shared the gruesome details of the condition of Otto's body and wrote that Otto had died as he lived, with his boots on. Otto Wood was a self-proclaimed one-armed bandit who became an Appalachian legend, a man who could not be held in a cell for long. When he was buried, it said that more than 10,000 people attended the funeral. Maybe that's true, or maybe it's just part of the legend of the hillbilly Houdini. Otto, why didn't you run? Otto, Sunday gone. Otto, why didn't you run? When the sheriff pulled out, it's 44 gone. Southern Mysteries is created and hosted by me, Shannon Ballard. Less than a year after Otto Wood's death, the Carolina Buddies recorded their ballad, Otto Wood the Bandit. It was re-recorded by several artists, including Wilkes County, North Carolina legend, Doc Watson. The day Otto's brother, Luther, returned to Salisbury to oversee the transfer of his brother's body back to West Virginia, he met with Police Chief Rankin, who shot and killed Otto. He told the chief there were no hard feelings. He understood why he had to do what he did that day, to defend himself against Otto. Luther explained the Woods had spent their lives trying to help Otto and convince him to change his ways. They knew that unless he changed and let go of his obsession with the stories printed about him in newspapers, they would one day get that call, that he was dead before his time. If you want to dive deeper into the life of the outlaw Otto Wood, I highly recommend Trevor McKenzie's book, Otto Wood, the Bandit, the freight-hopping thief, bootlegger, and convicted murderer behind the Appalachian Ballads. You'll find a link to that book, along with all the sources for this episode, in the show notes at southernmysteries.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.